So last year about this time, we did something that we called the One Word Challenge. Uh, some of you remember that. But the idea was instead of a long list of resolutions, uh, some of you made some New Year's resolution that you've already broke, let's just be honest. What is it, the seventh? Oh, it's the sixth. Yeah, most of you probably, and I'm not trying to be mean, that's just like statistically how it goes. Most people don't keep those resolutions that they make. Uh, we just started last year, uh, you know, along with a lot of other churches and people doing this thing called the One Word Challenge, and the idea is, God, is there one thing that you want me to take hold of for the coming year? Is there one word, one, uh, just, just, just something that you want to make part of my DNA. And what I love about the one word challenge is that it brings focus. I think in the Christian journey, uh, quite often we move on to the next thing before we take hold of the current thing. So I have people in my life, myself included, we read a great book written by a, a dynamic author and we're like, man, there is so much in this I just need to take hold of. Well, two days later, I finish that book and I'm reading the next book and I'm like, man, this is so much great stuff I really need to take hold of. And, and sometimes we just need to slow down and allow what God has given us to actually take hold, to, to, to grow some roots and to bear some fruit. As a matter of fact, for the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about what it means to be rooted, to have deep roots and to bear fruit in every season. But I think part of what keeps us from having roots is that we just move too fast. The other thing I love about the One Word Challenge is that it opens up incredible dialogue. Um, I was just talking in the, in the cafe to um, some families with young kids and saying, you should think about doing the One Word Challenge with all of your kids. Even if your kids aren't old enough to come up with their own word, pray for a word for those kids. And then have that word be front and center. And if they're, and God speaks, you know, what does Martin always say? That God doesn't give kids a junior Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit too. Ask them to pray. They have a word. It'd be a great uh, dialogue for you throughout the year. How are you doing with your word, son? How are you doing with your word, daughter? And then you can grow into that. But uh, it also creates great dialogue amongst uh, you and your friends and your small group. Uh, so I just want you to uh, take hold of it. Last year, it was awesome, and I'm just more excited about it this year just because I've seen the fruit uh, through 2018, and I can just only imagine how God wants to use it this year to help mature us and grow us. So here's the deal. Uh, you may already know what your word is, and, and if you do, I would like you to send it in right now. So if you have a smartphone, I'd love for you to take it out. I know you guys love it when I tell you you can take out your phone because then you can just peruse for the rest of the service and nobody will notice. But anyway, uh, go to this website, www.menti.com. Some of you are doing it already. That's why this word cloud is changing. Uh, when you get on there, there'll be a place to enter a code 344932. Uh, you can just write this down if you're not ready or you don't have your smartphone with you. You could also just hand your phone to your neighbor if they don't have one and they can put in their word after you put in your word. And if you'll notice, we're building a cloud uh, focus must be a lot of people's words because the bigger words are uh, multiple times in there. So uh, we just want you to enter it. There's 253, 254. I can't, never mind. I'm not going to keep counting them. But anyway, the words are coming up. We would love for you to keep doing that. Even if you do it throughout the week, we'll keep putting this behind me for the next four weeks. Just a great way for you to see uh, different people's words and all be a part of it. So you with me? You guys in? One word challenge, a little more enthusiasm would be good here. You in? Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. What I want to do uh, for the next few minutes is just kind of give you some guiding principles. Uh, these just will help you to, to navigate the one word challenge. Uh, these aren't rules. These are just uh, 
things that we've learned, principles that we've learned that will help you. And the first guiding principle uh, came from Meg, actually. She, she started saying this last year, and it really took hold. And it was the idea that she said, let the word find you. Now, I have learned that it's never a good idea for me to speak for Meg. So I've actually asked Meg to come speak for herself and tell us, what does that mean, let the word find you? So would you welcome my wife, Meg, to the stage? Good morning. Happy New Year. So what does that mean, let the word find you? Well, first what I want to say is um, the spiritual practice of having a word for a year dates back to the third century. So the term, let the word find you, or some people say, let the word choose you, is not original to me. Um, But the main point is that um, if we're going to carry a word for a year that's going to have a shaping influence on our life, that's going to be a guide maybe in helping us make some decisions, We want that to be a word that God has for us, not a word that we choose for ourselves. So when I say, let the word find you or let the word choose you, basically what I'm saying is, ask God. Ask God, what is the word you have for me? And then listen and pay attention. And he might give you that word, just here's, you know, here's the word. Um, or it might come in um, a different way. We were paying attention. We're noticing there's this word that's popping up when I'm, when I'm reading the Bible or I'm reading other books. Or this word keeps popping up when I'm listening to songs. Um, so just be paying attention to what he wants to show you. And I can tell you how it played out for me last year. Uh, Doug often says, uh, nobody talks to you more than you. Is that, do I have that phrase right? And I can definitely relate to that. And so I was determined last year that I was not going to assign myself a word, you know, a word that I thought made sense. And so for, I don't know, we we were, um, uh, you know, seeking words in January and I was asking God, what is your word for me? And I had a couple of words I was loosely holding on to, but they um, they just didn't feel like they it. It kind of felt like Goldilocks, like, I don't don't know, this one's too hot, this one's too cold. Um, And then mid-February, I was sitting on my kitchen floor working on a project, and this word just bubbled up in my heart, and it surprised me, and I said, God, is, is that it? Is that your word for me? And it's not a word that's in my regular vocabulary, um, so it was just so fun, you know, and I said, I think I know what it means, but I'm not sure. And so I looked it up and I held on to it for a few days before I um, shared it with Doug because I wanted to make sure it came from God. And then I just wanted to, just the two of us to know it just for a little while. Um, so are you guys curious what the word is? Yeah. <laughs> um, my word for last year was culminate. Um, but what I want you to know is that God has a word for you. A guiding word for you for this year. So let the word find you. Ask him about it. Listen and pay attention. It's coming and it's going to be good. All right. Thank you, Meg. Appreciate it. So Meg has touched on a lot of these guiding principles, but I just want to highlight them real quick and then we'll get into a little bit of the teach that I have for you. The second guiding principle is uh, what I would say if the word is easy, it's not the word. And what I mean by that is... uh, If it doesn't stretch you, if it isn't a word that causes you to have to sit, if it's like, oh, yeah, I got that one. That's good. I'll I'll use that word. I've already got it. Chances are that wasn't the spirit of God. My experience with God is it's not always hard, but it always is a stretch. Sometimes it's actually hard, too. So I would just encourage you, if the word is easy, 
It's probably not the word. The third guiding principle is to be patient. Meg talked about that. Wait for the word to find you. Don't feel like you have to come up with a word just because we're doing this uh, word cloud up there. Don't feel like, oh, I I need a word today so that I can see it up there. Uh, We'll continue to have the words on the screen throughout throughout the whole month. But just be patient. Trust that God wants to give you something. You know, I say it all the time, but the movement of God in your life always starts with an invitation. So listen to what God is inviting you into. What is the word that he has? for you. The other thing Meg talked about, which is a guiding principle, is to sit with the word before you announce it. Don't like immediately go to people and say, I got my word, because if it's not the word, then you're going to be like, well, that wasn't my word. I meant this word, but I thought that was that word. And just sit with it. Let it, let it ruminate before you put it out there. One of the ways I would say it is let it marinate before you serve it, right? Let it get uh, in there. And, and the truth of the matter is, it could be that it's just a fleeting thought. So if you wake up in the morning and you're like, what was that word? I can't remember that word. What was that word? Chances are that wasn't God. That just means you thought of a word and now you can't remember what the word is. If God wants to impress a word on you, pretty good odds you're going to remember it the next morning. So if it fades away, then just keep waiting for God to give you that word. And then the fifth guiding principle for the one word challenge is to write it where you'll see it. Put it in a place where it's constantly in front of you, whether that's a paper clip to a piece of paper on the front of your Bible, uh, could be on your mirror in your bathroom, could be all kinds of things. In our house, in our kitchen, we have a, an old Werner sign that's a chalkboard, and for most of 2018, both my word and Meg's word were on that uh, chalkboard. And so we saw it almost every day, but the other part of it is people would come over. And some people that didn't know anything about the one word challenge would ask us, well, what are those words for? What does that mean? It would open up dialogue for us, but it kept it front and center. If there's a, uh, here in the church, there's one place where we gather every morning at 930 to pray for the church. And we have these boards uh, hung up and it has all of the staff and elders and what their words are. Now the value for that is it helps me to pray for them and to know what their words are. It helps to keep those words front and center for them. But you can see people are beginning to write their words for 2019. And then just one more thing as a way to keep it in front of you. We have uh, set up some kiosks up there where we will actually make you dog tags with your name on it or with your, yeah, your word on it. I guess we could put your name on it, but probably not enough room for both. But if you know what your word is and you want to stop back there, they'll hammer it out and you can have the word. You can put it on your keychain. You can hang it from your mirror. You could hang it on a necklace. But if you know what your word is, just have it made. If you know what your spouse's word is, you could have one made for them, but you can just go up there and get that. The idea is to keep it front and center so that the word stays active in your life, okay? Let me ask you one more time. Are you with me? All right, take up the challenge and do it. It's gonna be fun. So one of the foundational principles, for lack of a better word, or foundational beliefs about the whole one word story or challenge is that God is speaking. God has a desire to give us direction, encouragement. We have to believe, if this is actually going to work, just as Meg said, that God will give you a word. If you earnestly seek him, that he will show up and he will answer you. And this is a a critical element to the challenge. So what I want to do is spend a little bit of time talking about God's word, how God speaks to us. And so I'm going to do that by starting by by reading uh, four different passages of scripture. And what I'm going to ask you is what comes to mind when you hear these passages? The first one, and, and and if nothing comes to mind, it's okay. But if it does, just just listen. And what are you visualizing as you hear me read these passages? If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. What comes to mind when you hear my word? So faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word. What comes to mind when you hear 
the word. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, and complete patience in your teaching. The question is, what are you visualizing? What are you seeing when you hear in the scriptures the word? Preach the word. Faith comes from the word. The word abides in you. Again, if you're new to this, if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to grace and and nothing comes to mind, that's okay because we're going to talk about it and this will help you to understand what that means when you read it in the scriptures. But chances are, if you've been journeying uh, with God for a while, if you've been on the Christian uh, journey for a while, most Christians, I would say, either consciously or subconsciously substitute the Bible for the word. When they hear these passages, they think scripture, they think the Bible. And while that is not wrong, it is not the whole truth. It's only partially true. And if we're going to grow in our walk with God, if we really want to take hold of all that he has for us in 2019, then we need to understand and have this robust understanding of the word of God in our lives. That it's something more than maybe what we first think of when we read these passages. Now, let us just think about this for a minute. When we read the word, the word, pretty confusing, I know, but hang with me, what comes to mind? Now, in the next few minutes, I'm going to reference a lot of scriptures because I want you to see how this plays out. Uh, I'm not going to have you turn to them because we're just not going to have time. So John will send out the notes later, and you can find them, or you could just take some time if you have a piece of paper out and write down the references and look them up later. But, but remember, the movement of God starts in your life with an invitation, and what we are being invited into is an ongoing dialogue with God. When you hear people talk about a personal relationship with God, that can be kind of squishy and hard to get our minds around. But what that means is God is inviting you into talking to him, but not just talking to him, to hearing from him, that God desires to have dialogue with you. There's more to the word than just the Bible. And let me show you what I mean. Romans 10, 17 is the first reference. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The the word here, the Greek word here, is the word rhema. And I'll put the definition up here on the screen. And I want you to see the definition because this is very powerful. Rhema is a spoken word made by a living voice. So in this case, we're talking about something supernatural, but a person can, can have a rhema moment. When I speak a word to you that's personal, that Greek word would fit. But in this case, we're talking about supernatural. So it's a spoken word made by a living voice, commonly used in the New Testament for the Lord Get this, speaking his dynamic living word in a believer, I love this, to in-birth faith, right? To in-birth faith. So when I was studying this week, one of the things I read was it's a personal, timely word from God. How many of you could use a personal, timely word from God, where he speaks into a situation, where he speaks over a situation. It's, it's an invitation to actually hear a word from God. Now, if you think about Raymond, you think about the passages, every, in every case, when I read the passage I just read, every one of those was the word Raymond, and there's 
I could have done this for an hour. There's just so many passages where these different words are used. So, so Rhema, if you think about it, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Our faith is increased. Our faith, there's an inbirthing of faith when we actually hear the voice of God in our lives. When God speaks a, a word into our lives, it bolsters our faith. It's a, it's a powerful thing. Think about the other passage. It says, if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This isn't the, the vending machine of God. It doesn't mean, hey, if you just abide in God, whatever you say is going to happen. What it's saying is, if you, if you abide in me, and my word abides in me, you're listening to me speak into your life, your prayers are going to be more effective because you're going to be praying what I am speaking into your life. You're going to be praying, not my will, but your will. God, I, I know that you're calling me to this. I know that you're asking for this. Your, your prayers are more in line with what God wants, and so when you ask, it's more effective. So, so when you sit down for the next few weeks or, or days and you ask God for a word in 2019, you will have the opportunity for a rhema moment, for God to speak into your life and there will be an inbirthing of faith. Your faith will grow because God, the living God, the God of the universe, the God that created everything, is so personally involved that he will speak a word to you. You will have a rhema moment moment. That's what we want for you, is a rhema moment. I was talking to Allie, who you just met today, and uh, we were talking about her word for last year. I said, what was your word? And she told me her word was stretch. And I'll be honest with you, when she first told me, I thought, well, that is an interesting word, because it didn't feel very spiritual to me at first. And, and then she explained that she was going through some uh, injury. She's a, an, an avid runner, and that she was just struggling. And so when the word first came, she was thinking, like, stretch before I work out, stretch after I work out, and that's good. That'll be a good thing. But she soon began to realize that God spoke the word into her life and was calling her into some new seasons of life, some new uh, adventures. And all of those adventures were going to be a stretch for her. As a matter of fact, she felt like God was using that word to prepare her for the tap on the shoulder about being the women's ministry corner, that he was going to stretch her in some new roles. So you can see how there's this active, personal, spoken word in Allie's life that as she grows into the word, that as God continues to speak into the word, it prepares her for what God has next. But her faith, she has an inbirthing of faith because God has spoken a word into her life. Isn't that an awesome thing? I love this. Rhema, a timely, personal word from God. So God is speaking. And the million-dollar question is, are you listening? Are you hearing the voice of God in your life? Are you having rhema kind of moments? So in many cases, when we are reading in the scriptures and we see the word, the word there is rhema, that God wants to speak a personal word into your life. Let's look at a couple more verses because there's this word has got some, some more dynamics to it. Luke 4.32, and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. Luke 4.36, and they were amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands unclean spirits to come out. 2 Timothy 4.2, probably one that a lot of you know, says, preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. Preach the word. And in this case, all three of these cases, and actually I think 330 times, I think that's what it's going to say. You can put up that definition. Uh, when we see the word, it's actually the, the word in Greek is logos. A common term, 330 times in the New Testament, 
to regard to a personal sharing of a message or a broad term of meaning. So for us to wrap our minds around logos, if you just think about the very end of that definition, it's a message. It's a, a broad term of meaning. It's a, a storyline, if you will. So I could have a logos if I were explaining to you the, the meaning of life, how everything works. Here's the logos. Here's how the, the plan of life all works. It's that broad understanding. Logos, in this case, is God's divine wisdom, his, his wisdom that we see through creation. It's God's way of governing. It's his plan of redemption in the world. All of God's wisdom, all of God's purposes, all of God's precepts, and all of them were made known in the person of Jesus. That's why John writes, in the beginning was the word, logos, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Those are all the word logos. And what he's saying is God's purposes, God's ways, God's overarching principles are all known in the person of Jesus. And we need to know the logos because if we don't know God's ways, if we don't know God's purposes, then when we think we have a rhema moment, it may not be a rhema moment because it may conflict with God's logos, God's ways, God's principles. So when somebody comes to me and says, the Lord has told me, what they're saying is I've had a rhema moment, and then what they say to me is contradicting what the scriptures say, then I can say with confidence, just so you know, that wasn't the Lord, because the word says this. So if somebody comes to me and says, God said he just wants me to be happy so I can file for a divorce. Right, and we laugh, but I've had that conversation. And they say, well, tell me about your marriage. And there's no grounds for divorce. There's no reason for divorce. And I have to say, that's not Jesus. That's not, that's not a rhema moment. That's just your heart wanting something. And, and so, we, so we have to have the logos. We have to have this understanding of God's ways, God's principles, or we'll get ourselves in trouble because we'll think, well, God said, but in some cases, it won't be God. Okay, so rhema, it's, it's critical to our walk. Logos, it's critical to our walk. And then I'm gonna read one more verse and talk about one more aspect of the word of God. And this is this, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. Now this is the scriptures. When it says all scriptures, this is probably the only case, and this is actually used, if we're going to put that definition up there uh, again, this is what's called grave, and this is used 51 times in the New Testament, but it'll almost always say the holy, the scriptures. It'll, it'll reference the Bible, and when you see that in the New Testament, they're talking about the Old Testament, the Torah, because the New Testament didn't exist at the time, but they're saying, look, if you want to know what God's logos is, if you want to know what God's plans and purposes is, then you need the scriptures because that's the one thing we have. And just so you know, these scriptures, they're not just anything. They're God-breathed. They're, they came through rhema moments with people where God breathed into their lives and they wrote it down. So we have a chance to learn something. We have a chance to understand that comes through the scriptures. So what I want you to see when you're reading the Bible and you see the word, it's so much more dynamic than just the scriptures. As a matter of fact, if the rhema, the voice of God, the spirit of God is not at work in your life, then the scriptures will do nothing for you. It's the spirit of God who speaks through the scriptures that brings about life change. As a matter of fact, it actually says in there that if you don't have the spirit, all of this stuff is foolishness. It means nothing. It's like uh, somebody said to me after the service, Brother Rob said, it's like reading someone else's letter. 
There's nothing personal in it. How many of you have ever been reading a scripture that you've read hundreds of times and all of a sudden God says something to you in that moment through that passage that you maybe even had memorized? That is the living word and rhema coming together. Now here's the deal. Somebody's gonna leave here and say, well, Doug said that the Bible isn't important or Doug's making less of the Bible. I am not. I am telling you that Rhema moments are gonna come to you all the time, but they're gonna come quite often, not always, but quite often when you're in the word of God. That's why we have this thing we call 15 minutes with God. Most of you have said to me, I I need more time than 15 minutes. That's okay, but this is a great starting point. Five minutes reading an assigned passage of scripture. Five minutes listening. What are you listening for? A rhema moment. God, what do you wanna say to me personally that will indwell faith, that will bring faith, that will help me to understand your word. So you read, you ask God for a rhema moment, and then you journal. Five minutes reading, five minutes listening, five minutes writing, all of it assigned. Why would we even do that if we didn't think the word is important? The word is critical, because that's where you're gonna have rhema moments, and that's where you're going to learn God's precepts, God's ways, what God desires, God's logos, okay? They all come together. 15 minutes we've got. So I threw some up here. You can get these in the back, but if you want to grab one on your way out from up here uh, so that you have it, that's great. So if we want all that God has for us in 2019, we have to understand all three aspects to the word of God. And they kind of come together like a puzzle. And I use that very purposefully because like any puzzle, if a piece of the puzzle is missing, it's just not done. I did two puzzles. I shouldn't say I, we, Family helped, it was great. We did two puzzles over the holiday break. The first one was a a Jeep puzzle. It was a little bit easier, but we got done. One piece missing. Scoured the house, found it under the table, could put it in, and then everybody was like, ah, it's done. Second puzzle was this puzzle. It's a Coke puzzle, and look, right there in the middle. It's never found the piece. That is the most annoying thing in the history of the world. That puzzle is on my dining room, it's not done. It's not complete, I know where the piece will go, but we have not found that piece, and I just want you to know, it's very frustrating, it's not done. My point is that, that, that you need all of the pieces to come together if the puzzle is gonna be complete. So when we think about the word of God, and we have rhema, and we have logos, and we have graphe, they come together as a whole, and we need to live into all three aspects if we want all that God has for us in 2019. God is speaking. The question is, are you listening? Are we taking the time to be still enough to hear God's voice? Are you spending time in his scriptures asking God for rhema moments? Are you asking God, God, what's my word for 2019 and then allowing him to speak into it? I close with a story. There was a young boy and uh, he ends up being very influential in God's story. Uh, but he's in bed and he hears his name and he gets up and he goes to his mentor and he says, hey, did you call me? And the mentor is like, uh, no, oh, whatever. He goes back to bed and he hears his name again. He gets up and he says, hey, I know you called me. I heard you, you called me. He says, no, it wasn't me. Again, it happens and this time the mentor sort of catches on. He says, well, maybe it's God. The next time you hear the voice, just listen. And so the servant boy hears his name and he says, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Yes, Lord, speak, your, your servant is listening. And if you know the story, 
He becomes a, a powerful prophet. It really becomes the mantra of his entire life, to listen to the Lord and to live out what he hears the Lord saying. And I just wonder how different our church would be. I wonder how different our walks would be is if we lived in the posture of, yes, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. God, what do you want to say to me through these circumstances? Lord, what are you trying to say to me in this conversation with my friends? Lord, what do you want to say to me in my quiet time as I sit with you? Lord, what do you want to say to me as I read your word? Lord, I'm your servant and I'm listening. Speak to me. And if we lived with that anticipation that the living God desires to speak a rhema word into our lives, how different it would be. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice. I pray that we would recognize that as you speak and we refuse to listen, our ears can become calloused. Lord, would you remove the calluses that may exist? Would you allow us to listen for that sweet voice that it inbirths faith into us? Would you give us rhema moments as we pray for our word for 2019? Would you give us rhema moments as we uh, ask you what to do with those $100 bills that we handed out last week to people and said, pray, ask God, what do you wanna do with this gift and how do you wanna give it away? Those are rhema moments. Lord, as we pray about our giving for impact, would you show us what you want us to say? Lord, as we, as we ask you how to be a witness to our friends, would you bring rhema moments into our lives? Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. Help us to walk faithfully with you in the year ahead, to hold on to what you have for us in the good times and in the bad. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. We uh, pray for you a half hour before each of the services. If you wanna join us, we would love for you to be a part of that. It happens in the chapel. Uh, and we ask for rhema moments. We actually ask God to speak to us on your behalf. And what we heard uh, this morning, what they heard this morning, is that someone in the room uh, really wants to forgive. They want to move to a place of forgiveness. They know they need to, but they're struggling to let go of that, that they're just holding on to something that they need to let go of. Uh, we'd like to pray over you. We believe that God still heals physically. God still heals emotionally. If you need prayer, we just encourage you to come down. We'd love to uh, have the prayer team spend some time with you. God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday at 9 or 11.